in 1 John 2, these things, beloved, write I unto you that you sin not. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. God didn't save you to just turn you loose and go sin. Don't turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. Thinking you can just go out and live any way you want to. If God saves you, he'll change your desires. But the basic thing with being saved is this, that when you turn and repent of your sin toward you. And when I talk about repentance, I'm talking about agreeing with God that you're a vile, wicked, hell-deserving sinner guilty before Almighty God. Amen. Not that you're just kind of human like everybody else. Yep. That you're going to give it a personal account to God. It's appointed in a man who wants to die and after the judgment. Wages of sin is death. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We do not measure up. Amen. And the penalty for that sin is eternal separation from God in the lake of fire. You say, well, I don't like a God like that. You take that up with him, but he's holy. And sin will not be in his presence. And God will keep his holiness above everything else you know about him. But God has made a provision for you and I as lost sinners to be reconciled to him. What is that means? What is that way? That way is by what the Bible calls a new birth. The new birth is something that God does. You don't. Salvation is of the Lord. So when you come to God with a repentant heart, and we're not talking about just popping your bubble gum and you know, acting like it's nothing, there should be a godly sorrow in you about your sin. Or you don't, that's what we talk about, conviction. And one of the things the Holy Ghost does is bring conviction of sin. That means that God convicts you of your guilt to the point of where you're willing to agree with God, I am a sinner. And I'm not just kind of a sinner. I'm the wicked and the sinner that's sinned against the holiness of God, the law of God. And I deserve your, your, your righteous wrath. Amen. And the Bible teaches that the wrath of God is against all unrighteousness. Amen. So what are we going to do? So God has made this provision and the provision is made of a new birth. God is not in the business of reforming you. Amen. God is not overhauling you. God is not putting a new suit of clothes on you. He's putting a new man in the old suit. Amen. And so when we talk about the new birth, we're talking about salvation. Just this week and just picked my attention. There's a man who's on Facebook quite a bit. And he put on there that being saved and being born again are not the same thing. That's not true. That's false. Born again is being saved from the wrath of God. He had some deal about the new birth is for the Israel only and the being saved is for the Gentiles and all that kind of stupid junk. Well, James talks about being born and Hebrews talks about being born again. And Jesus told Nicodemus must be born again. He didn't say you Jews must be. He said ye must be born again. But what happens at the new birth? How does God save you? And what about after you're saved? Could be, here's why. I've had many people tell me over 40 years of preaching, Reggie, I'd get saved, but I can't live it. Are you listening to me? And the reason they say that is because they've been told that if they don't live up to a certain set of rules or expectations of a church that somewhere told them things, that they'll, they'll lose their salvation and be lost again. Are you listening to me? What I'm preaching today could be the difference between you being saved and lost. If you understand this, it'll change your world. And so what happens, you get saved and, and you, see, you see other people get saved and you see them sin and you go, well, what's the use of me getting saved if I'm going to sin and lose my salvation? So it becomes a hopeless situation because if you're honest in your heart, you're not going to start categorizing. Here's where they get in trouble. 
You go to a lot of these churches that believe they can lose your salvation. You know, you know what you'll ask them? All right, what sin is it? And how many times do I? Tell me specifically what sins will cause me to lose my salvation. And, what, to, and how many times do I need to commit it till I've lost my salvation? Now, the very idea that you say you can lose your salvation makes, it tells me that you were like me. You do not understand God's salvation. Because salvation is a new birth. Now, when a man comes to God and repents of sin and places his faith and trust that Jesus Christ, God's son, lived a sinless life, died on that cross and shed his blood and died in your place for your sin. And you place your faith in him, receive him, believe on him as your savior. God saves you. You do not save yourself. And that salvation is an act of creation. If any man be in Christ, he is not an overhaul job, not a reformation, not a do better deal. He is a new creature. And what happens, God creates a new man by the power of the Holy Ghost. Now listen to me. The same God that created in Genesis is the same God that can create a new creature in Jesus Christ in you this morning. When I got saved on January the 24th, 1982, came to God as a guilty sinner, as a religious hypocrite, realizing I was headed to hell and asked God to have mercy upon me and save me. I did not understand this, but I just threw myself at the cross. And I'm glad God can save you even if you don't totally understand this. But the reason I preach this is because we're here and because we're going to be looking at one of the greatest explanations and illustrations of the doctrine of salvation there is in the Bible. So when you get saved, the Bible says that there is a new man created, this is Bible now, created in true righteousness and true holiness, not religious fakery. God literally creates a new person inside you. And at that point, you have two people that lives within you. The Bible calls it the old man and the new man. And we're to put off the old man and to put on the new man. Peter even goes further and describes it as the divine nature born of God. I want you to understand this. And the reason I want you to understand this is because this will help you to understand whether you're saved or whether you're lost. And I want to just say clearly today that a man is not saved by works of righteousness, which you may do or I could do. But according to his mercy, salvation is by mercy. It's not by you saying, God, I'll do better. God, I'll quit this and God, I'll quit that and I'll stop this and I'll stop that. Salvation is of the Lord and it is a creative act born of the Spirit of God. The Holy Ghost, God the Holy Ghost creates a new man created in true righteousness and true holiness, not religious junk. So now when you're saved, you have a new man, but you still have the old man. One of the most dangerous doctrines I have ever heard preached or taught in my life is this. That when you get saved, you can have some kind of second works of grace or some kind of work of the Holy Spirit that will cause you to never sin again. And they call it the second works of grace or being sanctified holy and you never sin again. That is not true. That is not biblical. God nowhere teaches that after you get saved that you'll never sin again. 
In 1 John, we just talked about it a while ago. My little children, I write these things that you sin not. Who? My little children. Who is a child? One that has been born again of the Spirit of God. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that we will see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Jesus told Nicodemus, that religious man who was a Pharisee, who lived the best probably of anybody in the Bible, he said, ye must be born again. Getting baptized does not save you. Being catechized does not save you. Going to church does not save you. Giving money does not save you. God doesn't need your money. God's after you, not your money. If he gets you, he'll have the rest. Amen. So now you say, Reggie, what's up? Well, let's look here in Genesis chapter uh, 7. And uh, Genesis chapter 8, I'm sorry. And we're going to look at an account that God gives us the Old Testament of this doctrine of salvation. In Genesis chapter 8, and beginning, let's pick it up at at verse number 6. Now, the flood has happened. Noah's still in the ark. Now, here's what you need to get. Let's go. We're going to pick it up at verse number 6. It came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. And he sent forth a raven which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. Also, he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her feet, and she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her into him unto the ark. And he stayed yet another other seven days. And again, he sent forth a dove out of the ark. And verse number 11, the dove came. That was the second time the dove was put out. And the dove came into him in the evening. And lo, had in her mouth was olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. Verse 12, and he stayed yet other seven days. And he sent forth a dove, which returned not unto him anymore. Father, help us to preach today fast and quick and clear and simple and easy to understand. But, oh, God, unless the Holy Ghost preaches through me, Lord, it won't amount to a hill of beans. God, I'm asking you right now that you'd enable me and quicken me by the power of the Holy Ghost to preach thy holy word. And, Lord, I pray that you'd illuminate our minds and our hearts. And I pray, Lord, those that are lost would understand salvation. Those that are saved would understand what's going on in their life. I pray, Heavenly Father, hope will be given. Faith will be given. Lord, trust in Jesus Christ to the end that Jesus would be glorified in all. That there would be no glory to ourselves. But like Paul said, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross. And oh God, I want to thank you for the salvation that you've given us through Jesus Christ. And help me Lord to preach this today in Jesus name. Amen. Now I want to preach today on the raven and the dove. And uh, first of all, let me say this, that Noah has a double type. There's a prophetic type of Noah and that is as a nation Israel, he's a type of Israel as a people group going through the great tribulation uh, which will come after the rapture to the church and being delivered on the other side of the tribulation and victory over this world. But doctrinally, Noah is a type of you and I that believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ who have been put in the ark, who have had the door sealed. And like the old song says, till the storm passes by. We are sealed until the day of redemption in our Lord Jesus Christ. So the ark is a picture of Christ and Noah in the ark is a picture of you and I, the believer. That there's two birds inside the ark and there's a bird called the raven and there's a bird called the dove and both of them are, are loosed. 
Now, in John chapter 3 and verse number 6, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, and you can put it up on the board, Jesus made this statement, that which is born of the flesh, flesh. is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And so you hear he is telling Nicodemus about these two natures that a person has when he's saved. And so you see these two natures inside the ark, which is a picture of Christ, and Noah, a picture of the believer, with both the old nature, the raven, and the new nature, the dove, inside. Doves were sold in the marketplace, used in offerings and sacrifices in the Bible. Four times in the gospel, the account of the Holy Ghost descending like a dove. We know from the Bible that the dove is a picture of the Spirit of God. The dove made three trips. There's the saving of the spirit, the saving of the soul, and the saving of your body. But there's also a shadow of the ministry of the Holy Ghost in the Bible here. In the Old Testament, that first time he sent the dove out, it just went out and it came back. That's a picture of the Holy Ghost ministry in the Old Testament. The Holy Ghost would come upon Samson, would come upon men, and would leave them. That's why David prayed, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. But when you come to the New Testament and the gospel times of Jesus Christ, Jesus was the Prince of Peace. And when John the Baptist baptized him, the Bible said the dove, that the Spirit of God came down like a dove. The olive leaves going out and getting the olive leaf is a picture of the Holy Spirit's work during the ministry of Jesus' time. The third time the dove goes out, is a picture of the ministry of the Holy Spirit during the church age here where he went out and he did not return. Jesus said he would give the Spirit to us and he would abide with us how long? Forever. And so you see this, the typology of the dove. Now, I want to preach first of all this morning on the fact of the raven and the dove. I'm talking about the fact of it. How many have ever seen Christian people do stuff that you thought was crazy? How many, are, how many of you have, as a saved person, done stuff you never thought you would do? I have. Why do we do that? Because we still have a flesh nature. You've still got a flesh nature. Now, I want you to understand something this morning. I'm not preaching in a way to excuse the flesh. I'm just preaching that it is a fact. That you have a flesh nature in you. Did you know that you can get it? We don't, well, bless God, we don't have church business meetings here. Amen. Amen. You know what? Church, you ought to see somebody get in the flesh, have a church business meeting. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Amen. I tell you, you used to grow up in them old stupid church elections and church business meetings and they'd get in and say, well, we need a, we need a fourth grade teacher. Who wants to be a, I think he ought to be a fourth grade teacher. He don't even need one. Nothing like that. And they'd go around and then finally they have a vote and they pass around a vote and you lost by two votes. Well, I got half the people in church don't like me. They didn't vote for me for a fourth grade teacher. And then you get in the flesh. You hate everybody in church. So you start looking for a new church. You're in the flesh. Right. Stuff. <laughs> Some of you kids still trying to swim your head around that deal. Amen. You show me in the Bible where they have church elections and business meetings and boards. And I'll eat your dirty socks. Because I don't have to eat your dirty socks because it ain't in there. Amen. Uh, uh, John MacArthur. I don't know much about him. I heard about him all my life. But he was on this week. You know what he said? Woman got up. Woman stood up in church now, Brother Don, and asked him if he had any authority in this church. You know what he said? I ain't got none. He said the Bible's only authority. That sounds real good, but it's not true. Bible said that, that obey them that rule over you. Yeah. Bible said that your husband rule over the wife. That's right. He don't know what he's talking about. You know what he's doing? He's catering to the woke crowd. Right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, starting to feel good. Amen. 
Both of them were on board. I want to tell you something this morning. If you're saved, you've got a flesh nature. And if you say you don't, I'll have your wife just stand up and testify. <laughs> you say you don't, I'll have your kids come up here behind the pulpit. You've got a flesh nature, amen? amen? You just don't let it fly during church much. You make sure the dove's flying on Sunday morning, not the raven, amen? I want to ask you this morning, which one's flying? Well, the, the raven, by the way, which one did he let out first? The raven. the raven. Do you know what'll pop up first if you ain't careful? You'll hear something, something happen to me this week. I mean, guys pulled this deal on me. I'm like, what on earth is going to, you know what, brother Brandon? My flesh popped up first thing. My raven flew out. And I thought, I see him. And pretty soon the dove's going, could I say something, please? (laughs) Is it always going to be the raven first? (laughs) By the way, how many here has a problem that your raven pops up before the dove pops up? Oh, flesh nature's in you, amen. And so in Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, we were by nature the children of wrath. I'll prove it to you in typology. You had Jacob first, picture the spirit, uh, uh, Jacob and Esau. The, you'll always have the first of the flesh and the second is the spirit. Ishmael was your flesh, picture of flesh. Isaac was a picture of the spirit. Yeah. Cain was a picture of the flesh. Abel was a picture of the spirit, the second born. It's always the second born that is a picture of the spirit. In Ephesians 4, 22, it calls it the old man. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, and we're to put off the old man. In Romans, by the way, if you want to write this down, he help you if you're saved. Romans 7 is a chapter on the old man, the flesh. Romans 8 is a chapter on the new man, the spirit. And oh, they're contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. And Romans and 1 Corinthians 2, 14 calls it the natural man. His Bible said he receiveth not the things of God. Jesus said the flesh profiteth nothing. Don't ever think that your flesh nature profits you spiritually. It does not. The Bible said, Paul said in Romans 8 verse number 8 that the flesh cannot please God. The raven cannot please God. Romans chapter 6 it calls it the old man. And my flesh the Bible said dwelleth no good thing. I want to take you take your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3 and I want to show you something. I'm going to blow your hat off but I'm telling you what make you throw your pipe away. Some of you ain't got a pipe. I'm, I'm, 1 John chapter 3 verse number 8. Verse number 8. He that committed sin is of the devil. Who would that be? The old man. For the devil since the beginning. For this purpose the son of God was manifested. That he might destroy the works of the devil. Watch this. Now most Christians do not. By the way most fundamental. Independent fundamental preachers don't believe this. But this is Bible. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. How many here saved? How many here commit sin? Hmm. How are you going to do that verse? Oh, I'll tell you what you can do with it. Do like the old preachers I used to hear when I was a kid going, well, that means you ain't going to go around practicing sin all the time. That's not what that says. That's right. Well, that means you just won't habitually. That ain't what that says. That verse says, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Verse 8 is your old man. Verse 9 is your new man. The new man is created in true righteousness and true holiness, and he does not sin. That's Bible. That's how God saves you. That's why God can receive you. That's why God can reconcile you. That's why you can go to heaven. God created a new man created in true righteousness and true holiness, not religious junk. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to get happy on you because this doctrine makes me, thrills me because I have hope because I'll tell you the truth if I hadn't got a hold of this. This verse right here is the one that saved me from quitting the ministry when I believed it or quit believing what men said it said and believe what it did say. Amen. All of a sudden I said, God, I don't understand this because I got saved. I answered the call to preach. I get up and preach and then Tuesday morning I'm neck deep in sin. Right. Right. Now, I ain't going to be a hypocrite. This is what it's all about. I'm quitting. I ain't going to get up on Sunday morning and tell them people preach this and preach that. And I can't even live right myself. And you said, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. And I said, Lord, I, if I didn't get saved, I don't know what to do to be saved. I believed on your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, death, bone, and resurrection. I don't know what else to do. And God, I tell you what, I, 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 when you saved me, I knew you saved me. I didn't have to have some preacher go, now you're saved. I came up off the altar that night and nobody had to tell me I saved. The Holy Ghost told me I was saved. Amen. You're forgiven. You're reconciled. You're made a child of God. You're saved. When the, I'm telling you right now, somebody's got to tell you you're saved. That's kind of dangerous waters. Amen. I believe the Holy Spirit can bear witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. Amen. Amen. Now, he said, whosoever born of God doth not commit sin. Oh, back in those days, I still thought those Greek boys had something to say. I don't ever want, I don't ever want another Bible used behind this pulpit. I do not want Hebrew used behind this pulpit. I do not want Greek used behind this pulpit. And I don't want you to speak anything but English in this house. Amen. Unless you're going to the foreign mission field. All right. Now, I just threw that in. I went to check out in Strong's Concordance what the word cannot meant. I was about as bad as Bill Clinton. Do you know what is, is. And I looked up and said, what's cannot mean? Do you know what in language it is? It's called a triple negative. And it means it cannot in any time, place, or condition sin. God's saying this. You listen to me. Do you ever get this? If the Holy Ghost ever shows this to you, you're liable to jump up and say, glory to God, hallelujah. Because some of you, I, I'm just being honest, I didn't understand. I still had it in my head that it was how well I was living, whether my acceptance with God. And God said, Reggie, it's never been up to you. Right. It's always been me. I'm the one who saved you. I'm the one who gave you the new man. And Reggie, the new man that I created, he does not sin. I'm not trying to overhaul your flesh nature. Now you watch this. When you get into Galatians 5, it says this. Now the spirit lusteth against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit and the two are contrary one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit. Amen. This is old Don Zinn used to say the old, the old Indian chief got saved, didn't he Don? Yeah. And he said there's a wrestling going on and the old boy said, he says, What's it? what are you talking about? Well, it says like, a, like two dogs in there and they're fighting each other. And he said, well, which one wins? He said, the one I feed. That's right. That's right. Amen. You know who's going to win of the old man, the new man every day in your life? The one you're feeding. That's why the Bible said make no provision for the flesh. You don't put stuff in front of your eyes. You don't put stuff in front of your nose. You don't put yourself in positions and places around faith that feeds into your flesh. Now let's think about the raven. The raven went out there there and you know what he did? And anybody know what the raven found when he went outside the ark? Carcasses. Dead, 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 dead. Rotten flesh. <laughs> and he'd land them old dead bloated stuff was floating around and that old raven ah! 
eyeball. He landed up on top of an old dead elephant. He went to pecking his eyeballs and yummy, 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 yummy. This is good stuff. <laughs> Let me tell you about you and my flesh nature. Danny, my flesh nature hasn't changed one iota from the night I got saved. My flesh still likes rot. And yours does too. Don't you lie to yourself. Your flesh stinks. It's filthy. It's nasty. And it loves sin. And you know it loves sin. And that old raven went out there and he's just a pecking away on that dead stuff. And that's why God said don't make any provision for your flesh. You don't feed on that dead stuff. What happened with the dove? Watch this. No, let the dove out second. By the way, your first nature is your flesh. Jesus said that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. The raven goes out first. The dove goes out second. And the Bible says something specific. She found no rest for the sole of her feet. That second nature you have, that divine nature, if you're saved, it cannot land on pornography. Are you listening to me? It will not land on pornography. And it will not land on dead, rotten, worldly filth and trash and nastiness and sinfulness and go to pecking around eating on. And you ain't never seen a dove in your life eating on a dead skunk in the middle of the road. You ain't never seen it. Now you listen to me. There's three trips in this thing and, and all that. And, but that old ra- but ra- raven, he went out there and he just loved that old nasty, filthy, rotten stuff. Well, I better keep it going or we'll be here no telling when. But this is how I came to understand salvation. Now let me tell you four things about the raven. Our flesh nature. Number one, Leviticus 11, 5 says that it's an unclean thing. The Bible says a raven's an unclean animal. That's the description of our flesh nature. It is unclean. God's not overhauling it. God created a new creature in Jesus Christ. We're, not, we're supposed to not touch the unclean thing. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, it lists the works of flesh. The second thing about the raven is not only is called unclean in the Bible, our flesh, but it's called solitary and it's a solitary and proud in Isaiah 34, 11. What that means is it doesn't need God. Did you know your flesh nature doesn't need God? It doesn't need to ask God where to go, what to do, how to operate. It doesn't need to pray. It doesn't need to go to church. It doesn't need nothing else because don't like God, don't want to be around God. Yeah. Proverbs 30 tells us that a raven is a flesh eater. Now, if I was a young person in this church, I'd memorize Proverbs 30, 17. For it talks about that the, the, the eye that mocketh his father and despiseth his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out. And what that means is this, is that a raven... The unclean picture of the world, Satan, the flesh, and all that garbage is watching the eye of the animal. Now, I've been around this. I grew up on the farm around cattle. Cow gets sick. Calf gets sick. Say pneumonia. And it's laying over and it's dying. Did you know the ravens and the buzzers will start flying that thing before it ever really dies? And, but the, but the big buzzers, the big ravens, will stay up in the sky and wait for the smaller ravens, the crows, to check things out. And here's what that thing will do. That calf's laying there and he's not moving. That raven will land on his brump. He'll walk straight up his back, side of his back like this, crawl right up his neck, right down like this. And he'll take his, watch this, he'll take his beak and he'll peck the eye. Because the eye, the, the light of the body is in the eye. 
And if that animal does not jerk his head or move like that or do something, he knows the feast is about on. Did you know what that's a picture of? You kids, listen to me. The ravens and the buzzards of this world are watching you. And they can spot young people that are about dead spiritually. They can spot rebellion in you. I don't care how long you wear your dress. I don't care how you act in this church house. The buzzards can spot you dying. They can spot spiritual decay. And they'll get close and they'll come down and they'll check you out and then the big boys will come in. This happens at ball games constantly. The vultures are sitting up in the seats and they walk the, watch the girls walk by. They can, a, a vulture can see rebellion in the eye of a young person 50 yards off. So you have this raven. The Bible said is a flesh eater. It'll eat on country music. Yeah. Yep. It'll eat on rock and roll. Right. Yeah. It'll eat on junk and filth and nastiness and contemporary Christian yeah. and rock Christian rock concerts. That flesh loves it. Right. Right. Yeah. Amen. It loves that church. Oh my land. We have got the jackpot now. We can be religious and rock and roll at the same time. Yeah. It's a fact. It's going on everywhere. The fourth thing is Song of Solomon chapter 5 verse number 8 says that a raven is black and it's a picture of sin, the works of darkness. But it's also a picture of the unchangeableness of it. You can't change your flesh. Quit trying. You know what the Bible said to do with your flesh? Crucify it. Crucify it. Don't try to dress it up. Don't try to make religious, religionize it. Don't try to refine it. You can't educate the flesh out of its nastiness. You can't legislate the flesh out of its rottenness. You can't elevate the flesh. You can't change the environment and your flesh do better. You can't paint it up and dress it up. It is flesh and it'll always be rotten, stinking, nasty flesh. You must be born again in the Spirit of God. The dove is a type of the Holy Spirit. And the saved man, he has a divine nature. Ephesians 4, he's a new man. Colossians 3.10, the dove is called, we're looking at the dove now instead of the raven. The dove is called a new man. We're told to put it on. In Romans chapter 7, go to Romans chapter 7, verse 22 on the, pay, on the deal up here. I want, to look at, I want you to listen to Apostle Paul. Romans chapter 7. Look at Romans chapter 7. Verse number 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin. You get what I said? Do you hear what he said? Paul said, I'm carnal. Now watch what he says in verse 15. For that which I do, I allow not. He said, I said I wouldn't do that, but I did it. Are you listening to this preacher? Now I want to tell you something. This honest truth. I wish I didn't have to say this. Now I want nobody in this church to know the battle with sin that I have. I wouldn't want it put up here on the board. And I've said I will not allow that to be in my life. I will not allow myself to do this or say that or think this way or act this way. And lo and behold what Paul said for that which I do I allow not for that that I would. Look at what it says that I do not. Paul's not talking here as an unsaved man. 
He is talking about him. He's the apostle of Jesus Christ. This is the flesh nature. He's talking, he's talking, he's describing the flesh in its real accurate way. He said, but what I hate that I do. How many's ever done that? which you hate. This is honest. You know why this message means so much to me is because if I hadn't learned this, I'd quit. Because you know what? I don't have no desire to be a hypocrite. If I can't live the Christian life, and if that's what's got to happen, I'm out of here. I'm honest with you. I, I'm not joking. You. I wouldn't play this game. This right here, this truth of this raven and dove is what gave me steadiness, consistency. Just keep going for God because it never was about how good I lived. Amen. Verse number 16. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it's good. Now then is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. That's that flesh nature. For I know, watch this. I know that in me, that is where? In my flesh. In my flesh, what? Dwelleth no good thing. Not one good thing dwells in our flesh. Now watch the next part of that verse. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. How many ever said... That's the last time I'll ever do that. Yep. And it wasn't the last time you ever did that. Right. Now I want to back up just a little bit and say again, I am not advocating nor promoting lasciviousness, nor a, just a surrender to sin and say, well, I just, my flesh nature. No, no. God tells us to live in victory. Amen. That our spirit can have domination over our flesh. Amen. Right? Amen. Look at verse 19. For the good that I would, I do not. How many of uh, you would this week witness somebody give a track, but you did not? For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not. What did Paul say? I do. I, do. <laughs> I don't know about you, but it sure gives me a little hope that Paul had this problem. I'm glad God wrote this in the Bible, amen. amen. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find in the law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Amen. That flesh is there fighting. Look at verse two, 22. For I delight in the law of the Lord. That's the inward man. That makes him happy. He wants to live right for God. He wants to follow the, the new man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. And bringing me into, ca- into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And then what, here's Reg Kelly right here. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Amen. I want to ask you a question. Anybody know the song Amazing Grace? Yeah. <laughs> Written by who? John Newton. John Newton. Watch this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch I used to be. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. He wrote that after he had been saved many years. Because you and I do not see the wretchedness of our own self until we see ourselves in the Word of God. And I just want to tell you something here this morning. I hope and pray, if you're listening to me and, and you're You've just kind of, you know, you didn't mean, you wouldn't really know, but you just felt like, well, I'm going to try to do better and, and be a Christian and I want to go to heaven. You need to be born again. Amen. You need a new birth. You need Christ as your Savior and God to save you. And when that happens, you're going to have a battle. 
Because your new person, new creature, is going to fight against the old man. That's right. They're going to fight every day of your life. That's why dying is a blessing. This flesh is going to go back to the dust. Amen. We'll have a new glorified body fashioned like a Jesus body. Amen. Well, let's see what Paul says here. Verse 25. He's getting ready to go into chapter 8. I thank God. How? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. You've got to have Jesus to be saved, and you've got to have Christ to live in victory. Amen. So that with the, my mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the what? The law of sin. That's all your flesh can do. Yeah. Yeah. Now, chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Amen. Okay? Right. Now he's shifting from the domination of the flesh in his life to chapter 8 where he's going to live a life dominated by the Spirit. Amen. Uh, I need, um, I need a, I need, uh, I'll tell you what I, I don't know what I need. I ain't got time. I did this on the board here a while back. But your spirit needs to be that wide and that high and your flesh needs to be that high and that wide. Amen. Your spirit needs to be so in charge of your, the Holy Spirit needs to be so in charge of your life that he controls what the flesh does. Amen. That's the deal. Yes, that's and that's only done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Look at verse number two. I love this verse. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the what? Flesh. God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemns him in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who do what? Walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Amen. Now how do you walk? I don't have time to do this this morning. But how do you walk in the spirit? You read your Bible and obey it. <laughs> Real simple. It is not some great theological deal. You read your Bible and you say, God, I need your grace. I need your strength. To and I'm going to look out of the house today and Lord, I'm going to walk with you and I'm going to, I'm going to obey the Bible. Amen. But if you're not reading your Bible and walking, I mean, you purposely, consciously ask God to fill you with his spirit. Well, we've got to go on here. Let me just say something about the dove real quick. The dove has no method of defense. We're talking about the two natures we have within us. My mom, I was down there this morning. She has doves that come in there where them birds feed and the squirrels, the chipmunks. And there's always a couple of doves that'll come in there. By the way, the, I, I read this week that doves mate for life. But a dove has no make. I, I you don't. I don't see doves out there fighting the sparrows, and the the red birds and the all of going. Rawr, 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 rawr. I see other birds fighting each other, but I don't see doves fighting. What's that picture of? When you're filled with the Spirit and walking in the Spirit, you do not have that defensive anger all the time and fighting to hold, your, you know, hold up your end of the deal all the time. Jesus answered not a word. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. In fact, we're told not to avenge ourselves. The dove is the, I checked this out. The dove is one of two birds in the world. The other is a pigeon that does not have a gallbladder. You know what that speaks of? No bitterness. Christians don't have to go around defending themselves. We don't have to go around, we're walking with the new man. We don't have to be in bitterness. The Bible said, let all bitterness be put away. Matthew 16, Jesus, as he started his ministry, the, the Spirit of God descended like a dove. 
A dove is quiet in movement and motion. A still small voice like dew in the morning. A dove is not often in crowded, noisy places. Dove is a symbol of purity in the Bible. Holiness, loveliness, a good report, pure in heart. A dove has a comforting cooing sound. The Holy Ghost is a comforter to you and I. The dove is also an emblem of peace. He whispers sweet peace to me. The peace of God which, stands, which passes all understanding. The dove is an emblem of gentleness and meekness. And I'm going to tell you something. When I study this and I say, all right, if this is what the Holy Spirit is like, I get under conviction. Am I gentle? Am I meek? The dove is harmless. As I said, you don't fight. In Acts 16, do thyself no harm. Jesus, the Bible said, was harmless. The dove is an emblem of love and affection. Can I tell you that when the dove is in the church, there's love and affection toward each other. The dove is known for its clean living. You don't, you don't see doves getting into a mud home going, woo, woo. This feels good. Doves will absolutely avoid a nasty situation. Doveness, a dove is known for his quickness and rapidity. He comes in quickly and he'll leave quickly if he's bothered. The Holy Spirit of God come into service and he'll leave if he's grieved or quenched. Dove is known for order. The Holy Ghost brooded over the face of the deep and brought life and order into this world. The Holy Spirit will bring order to life and those who are, rest, who are ruled by the Holy Spirit. So here's the raw truth of it. If you're saved today, you have two natures, a raven and a dove. Now that's the fact of it, but there's a fight, isn't there? The two are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the thing. You say, Reggie, what am I supposed to do? As I said earlier, crucify the flesh, starve the flesh, refuse to feed the flesh, make no provision for the flesh. Paul said, I keep my body under subjection. Can I tell you something? Now watch this. Abra- this is Noah, right? We're Noah. He has any ark. Anybody know? If you don't think Noah had two, two, uh, two natures, tell me what happened to him in the next, next chapter. He got drunk and naked. Noah, the man who had faith, who built the ark. Somebody says, well, it was all cause of the change of the atmosphere and grapes weren't worth the abalone. Come on. Don't tell me that he didn't have liquor in that wicked time before him. He led, by the way, that's your first mention of wine in the Bible. There's a guy drunk, naked. That ought to tell you something about wine. Yes, the Bible said he'll give the spirit to them that. The fight is won by humble, holy submission and surrender to God in every battle of our spiritual life. Now, number three, we got the fact of the raven and the dove in our lives. We have the fight that's going on every day. How many knows that? Yeah. And then there's the flight. And that means which one you let him fly. <laughs> Now I want to go back to what I said a while ago. When I come into church on Sunday morning, Brother Brandon, I got that raven locked up in the cage. Right? Yeah. Rock the old. How many locks your raven up in the cage Amen. Sunday morning? How many tries to be nice to your wife on Sunday morning? A little bit extra nice so you don't have a... <laughs> There's a lot of grins about there, I see. But what are you going to let fly tomorrow? The flight is what's important. What are you sending out? What's flying? The old timers used to say, he got in the flesh. I've been preaching before and got in the flesh. If you're not careful, you get in the flesh about arguing over doctrine. 
Did you know it's possible to be right doctrinally, but you're in the flesh with your pride? Because you think you know the Bible better than probably anybody you know. You're full of pride, full of flesh. And a man who doesn't know much scripture, but is humble in the spirit, is way out in front of you. Which one's flying? Which one's going to fly? So what was it? Somebody said one time about, they said, uh, is your husband up? And she said, no, I ain't got grumpy up yet. What are you, what, what flies when you get up in the morning? The spirit? You wake up and say, Lord, it's a beautiful day. I thank you for the night of rest. You're happy, you're happy in the Lord, the Spirit of God. You wake up feeling like everybody better get out of the way. Grizzly's coming through the house. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. This stuff's practical. First of all, you need to understand there's a fact of it. You have a flesh nature, and it's as mean as hell itself. You have, if you're saved, you have a spiritual man, and you need to learn how to crucify that old man, put that flesh down, keep him under control of the Holy Spirit, and walk in the Spirit of God. Now, I'm just going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something that makes me mad. And I know I just got in the flesh. <laughs> People are different. How many here would say, my spouse is different than me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're quite a bit different. Yeah. <laughs> you know, why is it? Now, I want to tell you something. Why is it, Sister, Brother Terry... That I'm so much in the flesh and Karen's not. She's got more doves. (laughs) Now I'm going to tell you something I don't understand. There are some people who are just calmer. They don't get angry. They don't get irritated. They don't get frustrated. This is where I have a little trouble. Because I just know she's not as spiritual as I am. <laughs> I'm lying out my teeth. I want to say this to you. Watch this. Somebody's very quiet. They don't get upset. They don't get a bit out of shape. But something is wrong and said wrong and done wrong and they won't take a stand. Here's the person who has a harder struggle being calm, you know, but they're willing to stand when something goes, when something's being done wrong. This thing's not everything everybody cuts it out to be. The dove being in control does not mean that you will sit passively by and let evil have its way. And you really need to think this thing through because emotional makeups are different. And they're especially different between husbands and wives. And I would say to you husbands and wives, sit down and have a visit about spiritual gifts, about this issue of the flesh, to help each other walk in the spirit. And to kindly tell me when I'm getting in the flesh, real nicely tell me. (laughs) Because if you don't tell me nicely, I'm really going to get in the flesh. (laughs) So we have the fact of the raven and the dove. We have the 
fight of the raven and dove. They fight each other. And we have this flight. Which one are we letting fly? But fourthly, I want to say this. We're going to go home. I was looking at the clock. The finish. How's this thing going to finish up? My flesh is going back to the dust. And I'm going to have a new glorified body. And the fight will be over one day. And I'll take my final flight and be in the Holy Spirit of God. And that's the consummation of God's salvation. But now, it could be that, is anybody ever going to do dishes around the house? Somebody said this week, said, never ask your wife what time supper is going to be on when she's pushing the lawnmower. Don't stop her. Honey, shut the mower off for a minute. What time supper going to be? <laughs> the flesh will like, the, the raven is liable to fly. I want to ask you a question this morning. I hope we've had a good time. I hope it's not, you know, super serious, but, you know, but it's serious. Amen. And it's important to your life. And here's what I would tell you today. This number one, ask yourself this question. Am I trying to refine my flesh? Am I just trying to do better and obey the, what the Bible teaches without being, have been born again? It's an impossible thing. You'll never, you'll never go to heaven. You need to be born again. If you're saved, understand and expect to have a fight with your flesh. Then go beyond that and learn that you can live in victory. Greater is he that's within us than he that's in the world. And the Holy Spirit can rule the flesh, but it takes discipline. You know, you got to make up your mind about some things. I'm going to say this to you. There may be some things that need to go out of your house. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm going to tell you something. Here a while back, I come near to throwing my phone in a pond. <laughs> I almost throwed my fo- phone in a pond. And here's what I said. I said, Reggie, if you can't have the Holy Spirit ruling your flesh over this phone, you need to get rid of it. Right. Amen. That's right. Amen. You need to make no provision for the flesh. And I'm just saying to us this. You might want to ask yourself, let me just tell you something. A TV and stuff like that is provision for the flesh. I don't see anything coming across that thing that's going to help your spiritual life. Right. And so if you see in your home or in your life things that need to be gotten rid of, and, uh, but ask the Holy Spirit. Just, I'm telling you, read your Bible, memorize your Bible, pray, walk with God, obey the Lord, and just, and just make up your mind. My flesh is not going to rule my spirit, period. By God's grace, it ain't happening. And if I fall down and get in the mud hole, I'm crawling out of that mess, getting cleaned up, and I'm going to go again. Folks, listen, if I didn't know this truth, I would have quit the ministry 30 years ago. I'd have given up and said, I can't live a Christian life. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. And I don't want you to give up. I want you to have hope. And I want you to know that God has made provision for you. And you know something? This week or next week again, I, I hope you'll be like Paul. That that I would not. I, I, I don't want to do it. But if I did, you know, get it under the blood. Be honest about it. Confess it. And ask God, like he said, for grace. God, do something in my heart. Fill me with your spirit that I won't do this. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I don't know about anybody else, but the thing that bothers me is that I'm not going to live long enough to be 
conform to Christ like I'd like to be. I'm I just not going to make it. I don't think I'm, I, I, I'm too wicked. But God saves sinners and he saved me and he saved you. I hope you'll do that. Let's stand together and sing.